As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Muddy Knees Media. This Christmas slash Hanukkah slash Winterfall slash holiday season, The Athletic wants you to bog off because when you buy one annual subscription, you'll get another one for free. And similarly, when you gift a year's subscription, you can get one for yourself at no extra cost. So wave goodbye to 2020 and say hello to 2021 by sharing the gift of The Athletic's unrivaled football coverage with analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, exclusive Q&As with The Athletic staff and ad-free versions of all The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. Find out more and sign up today. Go to theathletic.com forward slash leak show. Swansea are the top birds in Wales. Wigan are toothless despite scoring four. David's done at Barrow and Bradford McCauley today. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Hello listener, welcome along to our weekly EFL social. Matt Davis-Adams here to lead the talks, which will be both good-natured and productive, albeit with endless extensions. Political. Former Football League goal-getter Supreme Sam Parkin is here. Hi, Sam. Hello, Matthew. Uh, and basking in the glow of a South End victory, it's the former Shrimpers, Arsenal and Moor winger Adrian Clark. Uh, a good Happy weekend days. for one of your old teams. Yeah, one of, yeah. <laughs> the, the rest of them were rubbish uh, with a capital R, but we won't go into that. Uh, also on board for a debut this week from Soccer Saturday, Five Live, EFL on Quest, Bristol City podcaster and more. It's Michelle Owen. How are you doing, Michelle? Hey, guys. Yeah, good, thanks. Thank you for having me. Um, you can give us an insight into what Sam's diva demands are on a Saturday night. Yeah, I'm basically as lucky on this podcast. Is, is there something similar going down in the Quest studio? <laughs> well, when I told him I had to call him Sammy instead of Sam, he, he literally didn't talk to me for the rest of the day. But luckily he came to life in rehearsals and was all good. So not too bad. Ever the professional, uh, Sammy. Um, good. All right, it's time for this. Performance of the weekend. Yes, it's performance of the week. 15 seconds per person to state the case for the very bestest EFL performance of the weekend past. A tough choice this week too. Stefan hating to be that guy suggesting Rotherham could easily have been a contender. Salop Cass saying it's just a poll of who has the most fans. Yeah, it probably is, but you know we'll, we'll do it anyway. Um, Adrian, I'm, I'm desperately hoping that this is going to be your week. We've been waiting an awful long time for you to produce the goods here, so I'm going to let you go first. Uh, well, I, I think I've so I think I've argued the case reasonably well over the period of time, but you know I just keep picking the the minnows, don't I, with the with the small fan base. Um, so yeah, I don't know whether today is going to to do the business or not. Shall I try? Well, yeah, there's the problem with the with the win loss column, isn't it? It's so brutal. It just says W or L in it. There's no no space for the caveats. But we'll see. Um, we'll see if you can if you can get the W this week. So Luton Town, then 15 seconds. You can start now. Yeah, got to take my hatters off to Nathan Jones, who recorded his hundredth win as Luton boss with a three 0 battering of away day specialist Preston. Pele Ruddock De Bruyne set James Collins on his way to a quality hat trick, and by the end, it could have been five or six. Luton <laughs> Uh, Sam, is that a yellow for the Hatter's pun or did you actually secretly enjoy it? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> loved it. I'm, I'm all for that. <laughs> Tremendous, Parky. He's uh, brushed cheers. off that defeat to Burnley. <laughs> um, Michelle, you've gone for the populist choice by picking Exeter City. Um, so we'll let you go next. Your 15 seconds start now. Okay, Exeter 5, 
Tramir nil. Tramir had won five of the last six coming into this. Exeter, formidable at home. Ryan Bowman got his second hat-trick in his many games for him. Academy product Matt Jay reached 100 appearances and got a goal. They had a disappointing defeat against Cheltenham last week. They conceded five. perfect way to bounce back with a clean sheet. Good. Yeah, I mean, it's Almost. difficult first time, so we'll call that a decent a decent effort. Um, Sam, <laughs> you've gone for... Uh, Sam's gone for the the most likely winner, I think, in terms of supporter number. So you can go last. I'll go next. I've picked Shrewsbury Town, and my fifteen seconds can start now. Uh, the Shrews taming of the Tigers, the obvious pick, a first league win in eleven, and a first under Steve Cottrell at the home of the league leaders, no less. Cracking goal from Charlie Daniels to win it, restricting Hull to just one shot on target all afternoon. Stick that on your LinkedIn gaffer. <laughs> a bit under, not great. Um, but there was a Shakespeare reference in there, so bonus points for that potentially, listener. <laughs> Abby didn't even realise that. You're the poshest person here by miles. How did you miss that, producer Abby? <laughs> Poor. Um, all right, Sam, Sunderland was your choice. It's a pretty good choice. Your 15 seconds start now. Yeah, what a difference a couple of weeks make. A performance full of energy, the fast attacking football that the Mackhams have pleaded for. Youngsters Diamond and Embleton getting minutes and impressing. Charlie White magnificent with a double. Up to 10 for the season. Could Lee Johnson be the right man at long last? Oh, well, that was absolute perfection, wasn't it? In terms of time, it would be a disgrace <laughs> if you don't win after that. Uh, at the Totally Show is the place to go to vote. OK, let's championship. This season, the Premier League is going to be a little different. But at Paddy Power, we're trying to look at the upside. Avoid unnecessary journeys? That's Fulham's trip to Anfield off. Self-isolate? Some midfielders do that very effectively. Avoid European travel? Shouldn't be a problem for Everton fans. When you think about it, not that much has changed, really. New normal? Same old football. Just like Paddy Power's Acre Cracker. Get a free bet if one leg of your 4 plus fold Acre lets you down on all football matches and all markets. Paddy Power! Max free bet £10. Min odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive excludes shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus begambleaware.org. This is the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. A championship headlines, Swans, Cook Bluebirds, Goose in South Wales Derby. Five-star Bournemouth definitely aren't getting relegated this season. Norwich stay top despite Elliot's elegance. Stoke will be without Tyrese Campbell for the rest of the season after he suffered a bad knee knack. And Joe Worrell sums up what being associated with Nottingham Forest is all about just now. What have we? We've lost six games. It's rubbish, to put it politely. Uh, let's start our look back on Saturday's action at the Cardiff City Stadium. Michelle and Sam both on hand to witness Swansea's 2-0 win at Cardiff. Jamal left Neil Harris feeling low. Was he the standout player, Michelle? Uh, yeah, well, for, especially for the second goal, I'm sure Sam will agree. He was absolutely superb. I mean, I didn't expect it from him because he only had a couple of goals coming in to this game for the whole season. First one, he got lucky. It was really poor Cardiff defending, which we wouldn't expect from them. And Alex Smithies, the Cardiff keeper, will just hate seeing that one back. He did redeem himself a bit, didn't he, Sam, when he tipped uh, Matt Grimes' shot over the bar mm-hmm. in the first half. Well, he tipped it onto the bar, so that was a good save. But in the second half, such a great goal by Jamal Lowe. Sloppy by Cardiff in midfield, but he still had so much to do. And I'm sure you've all seen the goal by now. But yeah, runs, you know, almost the whole of the Cardiff half. And it was just, he got to that position at the edge of the box and he waited a second. I was like, oh. I think he's blown it. You know, he's taken too long. He's dithering. It's almost like you've got too much time. And then that finish with the outside of his boot was was fantastic. And Cardiff had had the red card for Joe Riles by then. And the whole game, Swansea were just by far the better team. Like we know Cardiff can soak up pressure. We know Cardiff don't don't get that bothered if they don't have the ball. The times I've watched them this season, they can have you know forty percent, thirty five percent possession and still win a game. But they weren't at it at all on on Saturday. Swansea. By far the better team, really deserved the three points and yeah, bragging rights in South Wales. Do you concur with that, Sam? Definitely. Um, I thought actually Jamal Lowe and, and Andre Ayew were fantastic. Lowe ran in behind and that's what I've been crying out for him to, to do. Andre Ayew takes up really, I suppose, different positions for a front man. He comes so deep, he pulls to the right-hand side and it was their movement that was in such contrast to what Cardiff had. They played in straight lines throughout the game. They obviously were a man down in midfield. Rules and Volks didn't have the impact that they've been having in the recent weeks. And I thought it was that setup of Swansea actually that made the biggest difference. Having 
the two advanced midfielders in Grimes um, and Corey Smith and just Fulton sitting. That little change, I think, changed the dynamic of the whole game. It meant that Grimes could play higher up the pitch and hurt the opposition and he's got such quality he could do that um, you didn't need the two sitters in, in this game and I thought that was tactically excellent the front two as I've touched on and Michelle spoke of and just the defensive solidity they're the three main points the way they are defending Swansea is incredible to concede 10 in 20 games at this stage of the season to limit Cardiff to two corner kicks a handful of throws and set pieces and deal with them so comfortably is just remarkable. And he made two big calls, bringing back Gurhi and Bennett for Lati Baudier and Cabango, who were brilliant against Bournemouth in the week. So it just shows you the organisation is terrific, the belief as well. And it was a resounding victory, as comfortable a derby win as, you, as you're going to see. And um, yeah, more question marks, I suppose, for Neil Harris, but things did go against him. Bennett could have been sent off. Moore got injured. And of course, the red card against Rawls. And that, that's not taking anything away from Swansea, but that's what Neil Harris will, will point towards, I suppose, this morning. Yeah, on the defence, a tweet from Jervis asking about how impressed we've been with Mark Gurhey. I think we've spoken about him a, a fair few times. He, he looks the real deal. Um, really disappointed from Cardiff, though, Adrian. We've been bigging him up last couple of weeks, but they just didn't turn up here. I didn't know. I think when you when you play against a side that can out football you like Swansea can, they can do that to anybody. Make the pitch ever so big, as as the guys have just explained with their with their movement and the two wing backs. By the way, I think Bidwell and Roberts have have been phenomenal really this this season. They provide great width. You need to be aggressive and you need to impose yourself physically on the opposition if you're Cardiff in in that kind of game and. They just weren't, and it was it was it was odd because you would expect Cardiff in a game of that magnitude to be so fired up, but it was it's very tame. They looked a bit leggy. I think Neil Harris picked the same team for the fifth game in a row, and and I think on reflection, if he had another go at it, he would he he would have freshened the team up and maybe gone for a different system as well because four four two against Swans, even though. They changed the midfield configuration. You knew that Swansea would have three in there and maybe he didn't do enough to, to, to combat that. So, yeah, le- lessons t- to learn for Cardiff. They'll come again, I'm sure. But, but Swansea, they definitely look one of the best teams in the division. That was that was comprehensive. I just wanted to say, I don't, I don't disagree with, with Adrian at all, but I think this is a very different Swansea this year. They've not really impressed me with their their footballing ability in terms of playing through sides on the three occasions I've seen them previously. That said, on Saturday, that's the most that they've played. So maybe Steve Cooper looked at the surface uh, in comparison to what it's like at the Liberty at the moment and looked at the opposition and felt we need to get back to what Swansea City have been in previous seasons and dominate the ball. And there was a few early scares where they tried to play out from the two centre-halves and they actually got robbed by Cardiff players. But when they got it into the middle third and the final third, then they dominated and picked their passes. So that was more Swansea of old than I've seen them this season because I think there has been criticism for Steve Cooper going away from what's been before with Martinez and and Rodgers and Gary Monk and, and such like. So yeah, that was Swansea back to their best. I just think as well, Sam, just a final point on that, that I don't see how they're going to play that football at the Liberty either because the yeah. pitch is so atrocious. Mm. I'm pretty sure they're playing rugby on it again this this week. I'm watching them on Saturday and I just can't see how anyone can play football on that. Maybe it worked to their advantage last week against Bournemouth because Bournemouth are obviously a great footballing side, but mm. I think it's going to hinder them. And they actually might start looking a bit better away from home if they come to a good pitch. Mm, it's a test for Steve Cooper, definitely. Um, let's go to Ewood Park next, where Norwich cemented top spot after yet another win by a single goal margin. Saturday, their third 2-1 victory in a row, their 10th of their 11 league successes to have been gained by the odd goal. Uh, Timo Puki, Clarkie, up to, to 50 goals in 100 games for the Canaries. Is he the, the Finnish Cameron Jerome? <laughs> I guess he is, yeah. He's... Uh... Look, he was brilliant in this game. It was the Timo Puki show, really. And yeah, it was it was nice for him to sort of get that milestone on his hundredth appearance. Yeah, he's he had that barren time in the in the Premier League, didn't he? After such a bright start, and you thought, well, his confidence is shot, but he's got it back, no doubt about that. And and I think it helps the style of play that Daniel Farker wants to implement there. They 
they're so uh, they press they really really aggressive and they were a bit scared to do that in the Premier League the longer that season went on because they just they didn't want to get hammered every week but I think they've got the confidence again now to, to press from the front and that seems to get the juices flowing for, for Timu Puki and, and, and he's a guy that thrives on teams winning the ball back from turnovers and him catching them off guard before they're set with those quick, the, the, those razor-sharp runs in behind. So, yeah, look, Pukki's made for Norwich in the Championship. It's as simple as that. And Yeah, this was a really good game. I just thought both teams were, were excellent. Um, but, but Norwich uh, are looking mustard, aren't they, particularly going forward? Um, Michelle, do you think it's sustainable for them to keep getting these victories by just the one goal? It's quite incredible, isn't it, when you look, at, look back at their, their latest results? I suppose it doesn't matter. I think we had Sam Allardyce on Quest the other week and he was saying, we were talking about Newport actually, but he was saying, even if you leave it late and even if it's one goal, what does it matter? You know, if you're winning games, he was sort of quite pragmatic about it, wasn't he, Sam? Um, I don't think I'll be too worried. I think performance-wise, I haven't seen a lot of Norwich, but from what I've seen, there's not too much to worry about when you've got a player like Timo Puki, like you were talking about there. He had that hamstring injury and he's back now and it must be a massive relief. I'd probably expect them to get a few more goals now that he's back. I think the Luton result was a blip the other week and with Puki back and firing like he was on, on Saturday, if you're Daniel Farker, you've got to feel quite confident because I'm surprised they hadn't scored more. But then I guess when you put it into context, not having Puki for a while and they did score three against Stoke in November, I'm just surprised that they had more goals in them. Sam... I'm interested in, in what their approach is in January, Norwich, because obviously they, they managed to keep hold of pretty much all of their players, bar, bar one or two maybe, in the summer. Do you think that they'll they'll back Farker and give them a bit of money to spend just to, just to maybe get them over the line? Because it can be really crucial to do that and do it right, particularly for championship clubs at the top end, can't it? They might do. I suppose they'll be anxious that Cantwell and, and Aaron's for, for two certainly re- remain at the club. I, w- I would say maybe to bolster the the forward line to guarantee a return of goals if if Puki becomes unavailable for whatever reason. Uh, but they have got Jordan Hugo who was back on the bench at the weekend, so they'll hope that he can be the the deputy, as Jordan Rhodes was, and I think with some important goals in that championship winning season. So no, I don't think there's too much wrong with the, stro- the, the squad. It's it's a squad full of depth and and quality. But I completely agree with with Adrian. In such an open game where it was thirty seven shots, I think both both teams hit the crossbar. Puki was the the difference maker, and he's going to be that so many times in the season ahead. Um, I thought for such an outstanding pundit that Dean Ashton is, talks a lot of sense. That man, I can't believe that he didn't think that Puki diverted the second one goalwards because I think from behind the goal. <laughs> you get a good glimpse of him just readjusting his feet and steering it in that direction. So, uh, yeah, I was surprised because Dino is, like I said, he's a he's top pundit uh, and I'm surprised he'd take anything away from a goal scorer at any point. <laughs> um, speaking of goal scorers, we ought to, to lavish some praise on, on Harvey Elliott because even in defeat, that was a, a special moment for him. It's found Elliott's first touch takes him clear of Sorensen and he's put through the legs of Hanley yeah! and McGovern couldn't keep it Yeah, it really was. Um, brilliant little nutmeg or a little push and run, I used to call that. I think it was down the side of the defender and ran, ran the other way. Um, and to be honest, I didn't really rate him amazingly highly when I've seen him in the PL2. And I know that's not a great way to judge a player because as we've seen with the likes of Conor Gallagher and such like, you never know until they're thrown in there into a first team environment how they're going to adapt and he seems to be doing wonderfully well that's a couple of exquisite goals in, in quite quite close proximity but i think blackburn are kind of missing brereton and and dak and and travis they're a little bit low i think on on quality especially in the forward areas and it's hard to pinpoint them in terms of where they're going to finish but i think if it is to be another mid-table finish for Blackburn the, the fans will want a little bit more I think they want that they want that playoff finish now and I think with the capabilities and the quality they've shown so far this season it'll be a disappointment if they're not at least still in the running for the playoffs with a couple of weeks to go yeah if, if anyone's wondering what's what's going on with Bradley Dak 
uh, just ask ask my my wife, Mrs. Clark. She's 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 all over the program with uh, with his with his his wife his girlfriend from from Love Island. She knows all about Bradley. So, Clarky, uh, this is yeah, this is a reoccurring theme. Mrs. Clark has got outstanding taste when it comes to television. <laughs> this isn't the first. She's on the money with the reality gigs, isn't she? But I, I, I keep getting compared. She's like, footballers must be pro- programmed to be the same because like, there's so many similarities. Are, are you all this sort of undomesticated and, and a little bit lazy and, and need to be weighted? And I'm, I'm like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm doing this podcast today off shoe boxes and cardboard boxes because I haven't unpacked anything in my new house. So yes, you are spot on, Mr. Clark. <laughs> Can I just say on Blackburn, one last thing. Um, you could say they're flat track bullies. I looked at the uh, who they've beaten. They've not beaten anyone in the top half yet. Uh, beaten uh, bottom half sides, seven wins, one draw. They've had four draws and six defeats against the teams at the top end. For me, there's only one reason why, and that's off the ball. They're just not. They've not nailed the structure of the team, and maybe the centre back, the centre back partnership isn't isn't top class enough for them. But uh, yeah, they're great to watch. Uh, all right, given that we've done Swans, Bluebirds and Canaries, we ought to talk Robins too, given it's nearly Christmas and all. Uh, a 2-0 defeat for your podcasting chums, Michelle. Bristol City going down 2-0 at Rotherham. We'll, we'll heap praise on Rotherham shortly, but in terms of Bristol City, where's the consistency? Looking at their last five games, lost one, lost one, lost. Yeah, obviously massive credit to Rotherham because Bristol City's away form has, has been really good. 16 points on the road going into this one. Definite favourites. Rotherham obviously in really poor form. I think they'll win this in six. So for Rotherham, a massive result. But Bristol City, inconsistency is just something that's that's haunted them. Not just this season, the last couple of seasons. And I know you guys have talked about it because it's just something that no one can seem to explain. I thought when Lee Johnson left in summer and Dean Holden took permanent charge. Maybe it was something they'd get out of. But they were they had the terrific start to the season and they were terrible in October. And then they showed some sort of, you know, good good positive signs. And then I just can't work them out because they beat Blackburn midweek and that was an entertaining game for a one nil. They had plenty of chances and Blackburn might have felt hard done by on that one. But in in this game they had four shots, two on target. You know, and going into the season, from what I heard, fans were optimistic. They loved the pairing of Narky Wells and Chris Martin. That stopped firing. Um, they can bring Fumarajiju off the bench. He's dug them out a couple of times with a couple of goals off the bench. But it's hard to say what the problem is. I just don't get it, you know. Just don't seem to be able to put anything consistent together. And that is why they probably will fall short of the playoffs again this season. Seven points outside last season. And Dean Holden talks a good game and he's a lovely man and he's very passionate and he's very intense. And, you know, if I was a professional footballer, I'd want to play for him. But something, just something isn't quite clicking to get those runs together. But that said, you know, they're only a point outside the top six. But this is a result I don't think anyone saw coming. Yeah, it was Miller time, wasn't it, Clarkie? What did you like about what, what Rotherham did? Well, they physically dominated them. I, th- I think that's what happens. A little bit like when we were discussing Cardiff. When you've got limitations, you have to really impose yourself in, in a different kind of way. Um, Rotherham have struggled to do that in, in a lot of matches this season because you know, teams have got a little bit more quality. But but here, they, they were able to bully Bristol Bristol City. And there's no hard and fast answer to, to what Michelle was pondering there. But, but do look at who they've lost to now. They've lost to Rotherham. They've lost to Birmingham. They've lost to Middlesbrough. And I think that those teams... Streetwise, aggressive, strong, don't really want the ball. So yeah, I think there's a pattern there, and 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 teams. I'm not labelling them a soft touch, but 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 that that accusation might might come back to bite them at some point this season. But yeah, well, well played, Rotherham, and it wasn't just about being physical. I think they, they had some quality as well. Ola Sunday was excellent in the game, whipped a beautiful ball in um, for for one of the goals. I just think with Rotherham. They've got the team framework. They've got a great manager in Warren. Um, the structure, everyone knows what they're doing. What they're lacking is just an improviser, someone that can produce a dribble to open a pitch up or someone to, to find that killer pass. That's what Rotherham are missing. Otherwise, they're, they're a pretty decent team. Do you think they're going to stay up this time, Sam? It's going to be really close and it's going to be decided on the type of fixture we saw at the weekend. The other the wins this season, they had the opening day at, at Wickham and they've, they've beaten Sheffield Wednesday and Preston at, at home. 
So it's against the teams around them and the middle of the, the division at the old New York Stadium where they can put teams under pressure. I think they played a little bit more uh, at the weekend by all accounts. Um, so a bit more of a mixture in their game, but needed to get Crooks and Smith backfiring, who we spoke about so much last season. Kind of, kind of their talisman, really, in that promotion. So um, to get them back scoring, I think it is vital moving forward. And the three-five-two looks to to really suit them. And um, I completely agree as well with Michelle. Another one of the teams in the division, Bristol City, so difficult to critique. I just think they lack, they lack quality in the squad. I, I think they're three or four players short of being serious playoff contenders. And maybe that's recruitment. Maybe that's limitations uh, in terms of the budget. I don't know. But I just think they look short in midfield. That's always been my criticism there is Walsh and Williams to come back but not players that you know have played a lot in Bristol City shirts uh, Patterson or Vyman to come back into the mix as well I, you know I'm not sure he'll persist with playing the two of them in those advanced midfield roles but there is mitigating circumstances but I don't see Bristol City making it again this year just a quick point on that Sam as well I think there's been a a criticism of Bristol City, they sort of try and sell their way to the top. They sell their best players. So maybe at some point they, I mean, they do spend a bit of money. Like they spent the money on Narky Wells, but maybe they do, like you say, just need to get those couple of players if they want to take it one step further. And all the talk was Dean Holden was going to try and take them that one step further. But I, I agree, just just a little way off at the moment. And when Williams comes back in midfield, that might make a difference, but we don't know because he hasn't played yet. Yeah, a stronger central midfielder. They need they need like a physical presence in there. Someone. I don't know why powerful. they let Corey Smith go. They let Corey Smith go to Swansea, and he's doing really well there. So yeah, <laughs> mystery. Anyway, well done, Rotherham. Um, before we move on <laughs> from the championship, um, what interested in in this uh, the weekend, Adrian Joe Worrell saying that the Forest players aren't friends. We we discussed <laughs> this on on Two Stars last week. That's the Nottingham Forest podcast available from the Athletic. And the point that, that Joe was making was that Forrest obviously signed 14 players in the summer. They haven't been able to go and have a couple of beers together. They haven't been able to do any form of socialising whatsoever because of the current restrictions that we're all living under. Do you think that's a, that's a valid excuse as to why they're not gelling on the pitch? Not, no, not a valid excuse because it's kind of the same for everyone. All right, Forrest but, but not everybody's more... made 14 signings, have they? I guess. No, I get that. I do. I, I understand. Yeah, I, I see where he's coming from. And definitely they those moments, Sam will tell you, those moments can can really make a team. The, 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 the nights out, the afternoons, at the, the races or, or whatever it is, the go-karting. So those, 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 we have a laugh and, and whatnot, spend time in each other's companies. That's when you get to see the real people. And that's where you kind of work out who you can trust and who's a good egg and who's not such a good egg. So, yeah, there might be a little bit, I don't know, yeah, a little, I'm not saying there's a split at Forest, but but they might not be as close as, as some other teams. They they didn't look that close, did they, when they were defending, defending for the goals at the weekend? Goodness me. I mean, whoa. Figueredo will obviously cop a lot of stick for, for losing his man for the corner. Bambi on ice, wasn't he? As he as he sort of emerged from the from the stack, that was poor. And obviously letting the ball go over his head for for, for the Tony goal, which was brilliant, but that was really poor defending. But God, what about Cafu? Cafu, if you're going to be not as good Cafu, as the other one, is he? Basically, we had Pelé Cafu, years Cafu, you got, ago. You've got to be better than this either. Forest guy. I'm telling you, because <laughs> and I heard that he played very well against Watford, but the way he got dummied. By De Silva for that for for the goal was just an absolute embarrassment. He's like flinched. He's like, oh. he barely did anything. De Silva. So that was that was shocking. And when have a look back at the long ball goal for, for Ivan Tony. Keep your eye on Cafu in midfield. Honestly, my grandma, my great grandma, if she was still alive, she could walk faster than Cafu, who looked totally unbothered. And, and for a central midfielder, someone who should be defending, that that would ring alarm bells for me. So yeah, keep your eye on Cafu. I don't I don't know whether he's the the, the right one for you. Matt, can can I ask? Did Joe Worrell give an interview before the game and then after the game he's peppered the lads again? 
Yes, he did. So he spoke to right. The Athletic in an article that you can read now with um, with Paul Taylor t- talking about how he's recently been made the captain and how much that means to him. He's a Nottingham lad come through the system, etc. Mm. and so on. And I think that he was hoping that his words pre-match might inspire them a bit and uh, they absolutely didn't. So he, he flew into them afterwards as well. Um, I'm not I'm not sure who that's for, to be honest. I think Is it, do you think that's for me, supporters, basically? I think so. Make us feel better. A little bit. I'm not sure if he'd have gone as strong if he hadn't have got the goal as well, maybe. Which <laughs> papers over a, a few cracks. Um, just on what Adrian was saying, it is important to get the rest of the players' respect as a person as well as a player. I think a player comes first. So I always wanted to train well the first few days, the first pre-season matches, so the lads respect you. As a, as a player, but it is vitally important that they respect you as a person as well. So to get those first few beers in the preseason is important. And I, I am adamant that I probably wouldn't have gone and had the success I had at Swindon. Listen, I wasn't successful elsewhere and um, people will be quick to jump on that. But at Swindon, we went to Pontins near <laughs> Liverpool. And it was um, Andy King is obviously a big hero, Evertonian, Neil Ruddock, huge hero. Um, for, for Liverpool. We went up there. It was horrendous facilities, um, but I mucked in. Razor took us out. Loved the lads' company and I felt at home and I trained well during that week as well. So as soon as the game came around, I felt part of it straight away. And I always thought about those days when I went on to other clubs because yes, you have to be at it in training, but when you go out, I had to be at it as well. And invariably I was. <laughs> Um, before we move on from the championship Michelle can you get a relegation six pointer in in December because that's what Forest against Sheffield Wednesday on Tuesday night kind of feels like yeah I mean there's four points between them aren't they Sheffield Wednesday rock bottom although if you're being kind you know they'd be above Forest wouldn't they without the points deduction Mm, that's not that kind depending on who you're talking to (laughs) well yeah they're both so woeful I'm afraid I feel bad to say it for the fans but Tony Poulos hasn't had the effect that we thought he would have at Sheffield Wednesday yet I don't even know who I fancy out of them I just feel like it's going to be nil-nil I used to really look forward to this hour every Monday but um, not so much (laughs) in the last few weeks hey Sam that leads us nicely on to our midweek cacker with our friends at, at Paddy Power you picked something from Forest Sheffield Wednesday haven't you well, yeah. Can I be a bit naughty and maybe change it at the death here? Because I was going to go for under 2.5 goals, which I think um, Nick from uh, the Totally Football Show fame uh, told me that's the safest bet in the world. So why don't we go under 1.5? Wow. Okay. I can see. But, but the idea of Akers, Sam, the around. idea of Akers is to actually win. <laughs> yeah, but one, I think 1.5 will give us a little bit more dosh wouldn't it surely a bit of jeopardy it definitely yeah, a bit would. more of a gamble <laughs> and one nils god it's going to be one nil in it surely <laughs> uh what do you think abby what what's the odds on that with paddy power uh well i may have missed your shakespeare reference at the start but as michelle says this does have the uh, i seemingly going to be much ado about nothing <laughs> oh, very good <laughs> had 20 minutes to think of that <laughs> so Sam's going with under 1.5 goals that is 7 to 4 if you stuck with 2.5 just so you know it is 1 to 2 lovely there you go. we'll roll on with that Acker as we continue Bumps. next stop for us today is League One <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. 
League One headlines. A formidable first league win for Lee Johnson's Black Cats. That defeat for Lincoln, par for the course this weekend. The top three all lost. Elsewhere, Johnson Clark Harris adds some much-needed posh spice at London Road. After Wigan beat Accrington in a 4-3 thriller, the latest on the Latics takeover is that Felipe Marino, owner of Spanish side Leganes, is the frontrunner to buy the stricken club. And just five points separate the bottom eight. Uh, let's start our look back with Hull City nil, Shrewsbury 1. I made this my performance of the week, certainly the coupon buster of the day. How does this happen, Clarkey? Hull didn't even manage a, a shot on target. I mean, other than saying it was a bad day at the office, this is not yeah. acceptable from Hull, is it? <laughs> well, you do have off days, and, and I think this is the first real bad one they've had this season, which is not, no mean feat when you think about how how much they struggled when they were relegated from the championship. I mean, that was that was some nosedive, wasn't it? So I think they've done really well to go this far without having a stinker. This was a bit of a stinker. I think I'd rather credit Shrewsbury, to be honest, and just say that Steve Cottrell did his homework and, and, and nailed it. I think he put Roshan Williams on, on, on Malik Wilkes and, and by all accounts, he did a job on him and, and kept him very, very quiet. And... And the same on the other side with Ad- Adelikan, who who came in, of course, for, for Keane Lewis Potter, who surprised, you know, we, we've not seen more of him in recent weeks. He's been on the bench. Um, but no, it was, it was a great, great performance from, from Shrewsbury. Real team effort. Um, the striker was excellent. Daniel Udo led the line, work, worked incredibly hard. And uh, yeah, this was a this was sort of a, a classic 1-0 away win. Professional built on the basis of, of, of pre-planning and teamwork and and, and a bit of guts. And, and, and yeah, it, they, they caught Hull on, on the right day. Um, Michelle, we had a, a light-hearted jab at Steve Cottrell's LinkedIn page a couple of weeks ago. Is, is he actually a bit of an underrated manager? He's got three clubs promoted, in, including Bristol City. Well, I mean, he took over Bristol City, um, I think in a similar position really to what Shrewsbury Town are a few seasons ago. And, and he did the double, if you count, what was it, the Johnston's? paint trophy at that point he sort of did the double with them got them promoted he could be a brilliant brilliant well not signing appointment for Shrewsbury Town given what he did at Bristol City if you just compare the two you know because they're remarkably similar into where they are but I think that was his first win wasn't it but then he hadn't lost the other he was unbeaten in the last couple wasn't he so I mean at 20 seconds he's got a hell of a lot of work to do but from reading sort of the local papers and, and listening to what fans were saying, they're saying that the players just sort of look like they've got this new lease of life and he's really invigorated them. And I guess that's why they call it the new manager bounce, isn't it? It's someone new to impress. It's someone's new ways of working. And I do think it's impressive, like the homework that goes into the to the game. Do you think they've been playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday? They've got much time to prepare. But at this point, I guess there is more time to see what teams have been doing over the last few games through the season and work them out before you go into it and credit where it's due he's done that and yeah he could be a shrewd appointment I'm fascinated to see if he gets them up like he did Bristol City but I think it's a big big ask for Shrewsbury Town I mean that with respect you know I think it's two quite different clubs but I think I could see them finishing mid-table under them I don't I don't think they'll go down because he's just got a way of getting the best out of some players I've heard not all players, but some players. He can be a bit of a prickly character, should we put it that way? And I thought you were going to say I, something uh, else there, Michelle. Yeah, no, no. Too, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I added the L-Y, that's fine. <laughs> but, yeah, and, and he, he is a character. That's the best way of putting it. So, so, so yeah. he, he talked about getting a reaction from the players in training. Sam will tell you, when a new manager comes in, Sam, training just... It, 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 it's almost on times two speed, isn't it? Like the the effort levels cranked up a gear. I mean, I remember those days well when whenever someone new came in, it was it all got a bit lively. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I think he'd be quite old school in in that regard. Um, I know lads that I played from John Harley played for him for for years. One of my best mates and and loved it. Um, and that Bristol City team that Michelle alluded to, I think they were a three five two as well, if memory serves yeah. me right. And I, I saw them a lot in their promotion season. They were a fantastic side. Not saying they're going to emulate um, what City did, but it's the same system, and it looked like a, a brilliant performance, full of attacking endeavour. But with that, you know, tactical nous as well, stifled the midfield, um, stopped the wire players, as, as Adrian said. So I think he's been maybe a little bit fortunate as well that Wally's come back in the last few games, and now he's got um, 
Daniels and Pugh uh, reaching full fitness as well. And Sam Ricketts didn't have that. So I think some things have fallen in his favour. But of course, the, the, the main thing is he's probably shouting at everyone on the training ground and everyone's going to do a little <laughs> bit more running and kick a few extra. They're just scared defenders. of him, aren't they? That's, that's, that's all it is. Well, you, yeah. And you're scared of not featuring under the new manager. So you run around a bit more. Uh, speaking of uh, shocking wins for League One teams beginning with S, who saw this coming? Lincoln, nil, Sunderland, four at Sinsel Bank. Take that, big Sam. Uh, you made this your performance <laughs> of, the, of the week, Sam. So, some cracking names making EFL headlines this week, not least man of the match, Jack Diamond. This was uh, this was incredible. I like Lee Johnson saying he hadn't had much time pitch side and session-wise to get the protocol in. Oh, Absolutely no idea what that means. But, oh, Lee's uh, gold, he told the players it worked. Lee's gold. There was a quote, oh, I haven't written it down, but it was something about, I can't tactically bamboozle the lads in the next few <laughs> days or something like that. I thought it was brilliant. Just thinks he's uh, clearly more intelligent than what sits in that dressing room. <laughs> we'll, we'll be all right, Lee. We'll be all right. Try us. Yeah. I'll be able to pick some, I'll be able to mark someone. Um, so, yeah, I do enjoy him. But, um, no, brilliant result. Could have been different because they had two good chances. Lincoln had to call upon, um, had to rely on Lee Burge to make two great saves. But I just thought with them without the ball, not necessarily going after them really high up the pitch, but setting little triggers in the middle of the pitch and, and going in numbers to win the ball and then attacking with real pace and directness. Everything that the Sunderland supporters have been yearning for. Uh, and not just the front three, but the two midfielders joining in as well. Scoan and Max Power seem to have that licence to get forward. And obviously Charlie Wyke is in phenomenal form as well. So no, it's, it was a really good performance. Could have had more in that second half and... Um, I think the supporters as well, on reflection, will be so pleased to see not only Diamond, but Embleton getting a few minutes as well off the off the bench. So, yeah, really promising. But how many times have we thought they've turned the corner? Hopefully this is here to stay and the, the supporters are going to be really excited by an attacking brand of football. Yeah, he's done his homework, hasn't he, Lee Johnson? He's, he's saying exactly the right things um, that Sunderland fans want to hear. The, the other quote that stood out, and he, you're right, he is, he is good for a quote, Lee Johnson. Um, he was talking about draws. He says, never, ever will I go any to any place in this division and play for a draw. That's not happening. I promise you, that's not happening. It's a little, it's a failed dig, isn't it, at, what, at what's gone before, where they were, they were pretty cautious. And, and look, he, he, he talked the talk before the game, said that. His players went and, went, and, went and proved it, didn't they? I have to say, though, the penalty that made the breakthrough, that's never a pen. Uh, I think that was a really, really harsh harsh decision on, on Lincoln, who I think let it get to them. And, and their heads went. And, and before, before you knew it, they were you know, three or four down. I think as well, that capitulation from Lincoln, you, you just touched on, which is what I was going to say. Before this, they'd only let in 10 goals in the league. So they increased that by 40% in a game, which is quite incredible, isn't it? Um, but everything you've said about Lee Johnson there is fairly accurate. I dealt with him for four years down here at Bristol City and very interested to see if he can get his first promotion under his belt with Sunderland. But did his homework and we had the uh, interesting quotes, which the Sunderland fans will, will soon get used to. And I'm sure they'll be happy enough if he's delivering on the pitch. If he's not, they might not be so happy. There was a Lee Johnson... PowerPoint tactics board that broke on Twitter last week. I don't know if it's done the rounds before, but it's great stuff. So you've got the, the safe, jo- safe zone is the defensive zone. Then you've got the break the line zone. Then you've got the diagonal zone. Then into the opposition's half possession zone. Then spin and slide zone. Then the pin zone. Then the <laughs> corridor of confusion. And the wide areas is the bomb alley. Bomb Alley. <laughs> bomb Alley. I bet you put in a few bombs, didn't you, Adrian, from wide left? I, I, I used to chuck the odd left-footed bomb in there. Um, <laughs> can you imagine what it's like for, for Gary Johnson's wife over Christmas dinner? Oh, They're all together. like that, Moving the sprouts around the table. Right, <laughs> corridor of confusion, those. Bomb, bomb a couple over toward the turkey, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, do, he does love his... He does love, uh, apart from his jargon and his interesting linguistic choices, he does love technology and random stuff like measuring grass and things you've all spoke about and read about before. So we'll see if he takes that up to uh, to Sunderland. He's taken Jamie McAllister with him, his assistant at Bristol City, who was about to take the Gloucester City job, but just nicked him in time. Yeah, good luck to him. With, with Nigel Atkins out of the game at the moment, we need another Brentian figure in it here. If Lee Johnson can, can take that baton, that's good. 
Let's move on to Wigan for Accrington 3. You could, could have picked any of a number of matches in League 1 this past weekend. Charlton getting 5 against Wimbledon, Ipswich, another home defeat for them. But we're going to go for Wigan 4, Accrington 3, purely for, for Tom James. Commitment to the game, heading in Wigan's first. He lost a tooth in the process. This was uh, ringing some, some rather painful dentistry bill, bells with you, Sam. Yeah, probably the worst night of my career for a number of reasons. But Dan Hardin who later became my teammate at Ipswich, kicked me in the face uh, and I lost two teeth live on Sky. And um, the physio, Dick Mackey, great geezer Dick, he was um, searching for my teeth, popped them in milk. We lost on penalties to Brighton in the semi-final. And it was honestly, I'm not doing this for effect, the wettest night I've ever played football in. And they were handing out plastic sheets to supporters. It was at the Withdean. So all my mates, playoff semi-final, mum, brother, sister who'd never been to a game before in her life, all there with plastic sheets over them, drenched through, horrendous. I went in my kit to Brighton Hospital after the game with their doctor, our physio, had them shoved back in, temporary brace put on, and um, back to the hotel to drown our sorrows with Smirnoff Ices for a straw for me. Um, (laughs) So it literally was the worst night ever. You still got uh, the teeth? Well, they went discoloured over time. So when I hung up the boots, uh, I got uh, them all sorted out and nice and... They were nice and white for a period, but I think they've been <laughs> definitely been stained during uh, lockdown where I've been drinking copious amounts of coffees, beer, red wine, and not able to go to a dentist. But Are we, are we talking molars, pre-molars, front, back? Where, where was it? Was it, was um, it visible? It was the one of the front and then the whatever the, the name was you just referred to there. Is it the... The fang, I like to call mine. (laughs) But yeah, the Brighton doctor, still to this day, if I'm covering a game or when I played against them, he'd always come up to me and go, as a team, give us a look then. Oh, what a job we did that (laughs) night and all that. I think he was just pleased that they got through. Uh, Abby reckons they're called canines, those teeth, uh, by the way. Uh, Back to the game, Michelle. Back-to-back wins for for Wigan. Do do you give them any chance of of staying up? I guess a lot of it is dependent on on whether... um, this takeover actually happens and whether it happens before January. Yeah, it's beggar's belief what's happened at Wigan, doesn't it? But uh, there were three goal up, three goals up within 32 minutes, weren't there? And, and from there, you know, you've still got a lot to do. You've got 60 minutes of the game left. I think they showed good discipline. When they were 4-2 up, you, you know, you fancied them. But yeah, I, I do fancy them to stay up because they've got some good players in there. It's just, it, it depends so much what happens with the takeover. You know, it's sort of... It's so impossible to think what's happened at Wigan has happened at Wigan. But two wins on the bounce, six points. They're hopeful of the takeover resolution, aren't they? I was reading, I think, um, last week. They want it done in the next few weeks from what I saw. And I think you you mentioned him earlier, uh, Felipe Marino. That's the chap, isn't it? He already owns a club, which is a good, good sign, you'd hope. And I'm not, you know, an expert in anyone owning football clubs. But if you look at the way things have gone for Wigan and, and the way what happened a few months ago happened, you know, after receiving a 12-point deduction for going into administration, I just felt it was so, so harsh. Um, I, I know the EFL has to do things because they have to do things in a certain way and, and rules and rules. And, you know, they saw Paul Cook leave and then John Sheridan left because um, he told me that it was a month-by-month contract, as we know, so he went to Swindon. They just need some consistency of some type, you know, who's in charge and who owns them. And I, and I think they'll be okay. But um, yeah, they was it Sunderland? They beat last week when Lee Johnson took the game at lunchtime, didn't they? Which was just mad. That's another story. Um, and that was 13 matches without a win. And now they've got a couple under the belt. So just maybe, just for Wigan fans, they might be turning a corner. Maybe just some some sunlight in the distance for them, I feel. Uh, right, back to our midweek hacker. My selection with Paddy Power comes from League One. I'm backing Sunderland and Wimbledon to keep bringing the goals when they meet at the Stadium of Light on Tuesday. Abby, what will you give me on over three and a half goals in said oh. As you like it, Matt. <laughs> that would be 23 to 10. Very good. Very good Shakespeare reference. Why are you not happy with that, Clarky? Just cavalier, the pair of you. I, I just want to win one. I just, I just want um, one to two, one to two, one to two, and one to two. And it, it's just, just so that we get something on the board. All right. Well, what's you your pick t- then? Because it comes crazy. from this one, doesn't it? <laughs> um, Doncaster. I, I, I back Doncaster to win 
at the weekend and they, they came good for me. And uh, I'm going to go for them again. Swindon, sorry, Sam, but he knows this. But they, they can't defend and they will concede a goal, at least one, probably two goals in this game. And I, th- I think Doncaster are one of the, the best attacking teams in the division. They only won 2-1 against the Gilles on Saturday, but they battered them. And, and if they batter Swindon, I, I think it, it could get messy. So I hope I'm right. I haven't been that lucky on these Ackers. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a lot of stick, but I don't think my record's uh, anything to write home about. I was going to say scenes when uh, it's Forest nil, Sheffield Wednesday nil, and uh, 4-4 in my game and Doncaster getting good by Swindon. Um, Abby, what's that yeah, doing exactly. to the Acker? Well, Clarkey's uh, odds is the reverse of Sam's uh, Forest Wednesday one. So it's 4-7 to seven for Doncaster to beat Swindon. Swindon, by the way, are 4-1. to one. Um, um, put those three ones all together and uh, we've got 13 to 1 so far with one more leg to come. Yeah, and that leg will come from League 2. That's our final port of call. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. League Two headlines. Ira Jackson Jr. scored for Grimsby as the owner of the world's most prosaic name. I thought such a fabulous one deserved a mention. Uh, Mike Flynn's not happy after Newport lost to Orient. We've had a perfectly legitimate goal written off from a a crazy decision from from the officials. So um, I'm a little bit bemused at that at the minute. David Dunn's out of Barrow as is Stuart McCall from Bradford. And Southend done a win. Shrimps all round for dinner in the Clark household. Uh, We will start, though, with the two managerial departures, Bradford and Barrow, pulling the plug. Bradford first, Katie Wyatt, the Athletics women's football correspondent and big-time Bantams fan, tweeted this, that Anthony Connor has outlasted four managers says so much. The amount of influence, the contract length of much of this playing squad has wielded over key decisions for how poorly so many of them have played is staggering. Um, we spoke last week, Adrian, about about how Stuart McCall was essentially doing his own scouting and the like. It's not a good look all, all around the club, basically, is it? The fact that they they've got rid of him again, and, and as Katie's saying, there are players who are outlasting managers, and that's a sort of regular occurrence. Yeah, I think I think last time he was sacked, there it was a bit of a power grab from the former owner, and it was yeah, it was it was really harsh, and but this time. You have to look at the results and, and the results, they've lost five in a row. Uh, they're conceding a lot of goals. The only teams they've beaten are Southend and Stevenage, two of my former teams that are struggling in the, in the bottom two, and Mansfield when they were all at sea. So so they've not really beaten anyone of note. Um, I was reading this week that, that McCall had also apparently left some of the budget on the table, which is sounds remarkable after, after they worked out the wage bill and how it fits in with um, with the new rules and the salary cap. Um, apparently, there was a fifth a fifth of the budget that that went unspent. And I guess yeah, if results aren't working well, that's a stick that that you can be beat with, isn't it? Because they say we well, should have brought in more players, uh, and you had the chance to and you didn't. So so yeah, I, f- I feel gutted for any manager that gets the sack, but on this occasion, totally not surprised. Um, Michelle, the player power thing that that Katie mentioned—if that's an issue, that that kind of needs to be reflected in who they appoint next. I guess it, it needs to be somebody strong. I don't know. Steve Cottrell might have been a good choice a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Sam and Adrian know more about this and haven't been inside dressing rooms where where this might have happened. But you do read about it and you do hear about it, and I can imagine it makes a manager's life extremely difficult if you've got players in the dressing room that are undermining you but he had a pretty dreadful record recently didn't he I think they lost six in a row they lost in the FA Cup to to Oldham as well and 22nd in the league it's not it's not really sustainable I hate seeing managers go I would say so quickly because Neil Harris was under so much pressure at Cardiff and then they won four in a row and it can change so quickly for you but 
I guess sometimes that um, yeah, patience runs out, and and he wasn't doing well. His assistant Kenny Black has gone as well. So the fact both of them are gone and the assistant isn't staying on, I don't know if that's that they wanted to go together and there was loyalty there, or whether it was a player power thing and the assistant couldn't stay because he didn't have any respect from the dressing room, which makes me think mm. maybe there is something in that player power thing when the assistant goes, Adrian. Can I just say to yeah, I just want to ask Sam whether he's had any experience of it because when I've been in dressing rooms where players have been pally with members of the board. I've just felt really uncomfortable about it because you know that conversations are going to take place there. You know that it's going to be a little bit of you know dressing room stuff that's 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 leaking towards towards the the people around the around the table. I just yeah, I just I I always think it's healthier if you don't know who's in charge. I, I just don't want them anywhere near the players. I think there should be a distance there, and and by the sounds of it, that's not the case at Bradford. I don't know if you've experienced that, Sam. I think so, not not to a huge extent, but I think you just wouldn't wouldn't trust that individual. It's a bit Yeah. It's a bit like how I'd react if one of the players spoke in the manner that Joe Worrell did after the game. That that wasn't my style. And some players probably react favourably to that and get a kick up the backside. But yeah, if there was any of that going on, you you start to distrust your teammates, I suppose. So I'm with you, you know, at times in my career you weren't even sure who is in charge of the, of the club. Maybe when you get a little bit older and a bit wiser, you take a bit more interest. But in the early years, it's just about doing your best on the training ground and trying to score goals. That, that, that was my job and, and my focus. It wasn't about trying to get a longer length of contract by speaking to the owners and and such like. So, But there were some players that were cut from that cloth. But yeah, I mean, Bradford's a mess. And I feel sorry for Stuart McCall because... Listen, nice guys don't make great managers and and great tacticians and what have you, but he's always struck me as someone that I'd like to play for. And he had success in Scotland. And I just wonder if maybe the big League One, League Two jobs are going to be readily available for him again uh, now that this hasn't worked out, you know, for this on the second occasion. So maybe him and Kenny Black would be still in, in big demand north of the border. Or, or Stuart McCall, I'm sure, would uh, be a brilliant number two if he wanted to revert back to that role. Yeah, and as for Barrow, obviously in Everett taking from them at the start of the season, we had David Dunn on a couple of months ago. He, he was very excited about the opportunity there, but only two wins from 22 games in charge for the team called Barrow Salona last season. Um, they got big ambitions. Uh, if we go on to, to a couple of Saturday's games, Leighton Orient to Newport won first. League loss in six for Newport. As we said, Mike Flint... Not happy. I think he had a point, Clarky, about about that equaliser that was that was ruled out. It did look a bit harsh. Yeah, I think they were hard done by. No doubt about that. That that looked legit to me. So so yeah, I could I, I feel for Flynn, but but you've also got to take your hat off to Leighton Orient. Really, I, th- I thought that it was a, it was a great comeback from them. James Brophy's having a a really lively season. I think he's he was excellent in this game, complimenting Danny Johnson up top. They're a great team to watch, Leighton Orient. Haven't always been down the years, but but they've scored in all but all but two of the games. That's fantastic. And over the last eight games, they're joint second in the form table, Leighton Orient. So this is a team I think that we have to start taking quite seriously. So so maybe you know when when things settle down, when Flynn sort of calms calms down, he'll realise that that might not be the worst defeat in the world because Leighton Orient are, are very strong going forward. Yeah, they're into the the playoff places now. M- Michelle, we've spoken quite a lot about Ross Embleton and, and managers under pressure. He's certainly been been one of those at, at times, but it looks as though he's he's found the winning formula. Yeah, I think he only made one one change as well to the side that lost the last time out um, to Scunthorpe. Um, so yeah, he seems to have found a team that he's happy with. Seems to have found some consistency. They've they've sort of crept up the table, haven't they? I th- I think um, they're in the playoff positions now. I've just lost my table. They are in the playoff positions now. So, yeah, they're up to sixth and uh, four wins in the last five. You know, it's, it makes pretty reading for them. And just echoing what the guy said there, really, I think you've got to take them seriously. Newport will be disappointed. They're trying to play this new way this season. They're trying to get it down, trying to play possession-based football, which is becoming increasingly difficult at Rodney Parade. They probably fancy it more now when they go away from home, but it didn't work for them. They were hard done by on on what should have been the equaliser, but over the season, I think it does even out. And 
they've been they've had a couple of draws recently, but then they've had a couple of wins. But I think they're just exceeding Newport, everyone's expectations. And that result against Orient, I think they'll reflect back on just to echo what was said at the end of the season. And I, it's not like with respect, well, they're about to come on to them. It's not like they lost to South End, which some teams have recently. And I mean that with the greatest respect to South End because they had a great result. So, um, <laughs> um, so yeah, when the dust settles, it's not the end of the world. There's still three points clear of Cheltenham in, in second, but it's looking very tasty at the top of League Two now. Go on then, Clarky, give some love to, to your old boys, <laughs> Southend. 1-0 against Gunthorpe. Is, it, is this the start of the fight back? or is this well, just a... You've got to start at the back, and that's what Mark Mosley's doing. Only the second clean sheet in a row since May 2018 for Southend, which shows you how leaky they've been uh, over the last few years. Yeah, this was the fans were back at Roots Hall, and... I had such good times at Southend, such a good relationship with the supporters there that they really do get behind you and they can create a good atmosphere, even if there's just 2,000. It's quite an atmospheric ground over there in Essex. So I think they made a difference. They G'd everyone up and it was just, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't a sensational performance. They rode their luck, but they they, they, they sort of toughed it out. Some big performances, Hobson at centre-back, McCormack in central midfield providing you know, grit and, and, and loads of experience. And and they had two players that they signed ages ago, Akinola and Hart, who weren't allowed to play because there was an embargo over the club. And um, Ron Martin, who I've caned a bit on this podcast, um, did put his hand in his pocket to clear clear the embargo. He, he did spend the money and um, and they both played and played well. So um, hopefully it's onwards and upwards. I've looked at the fixtures They've got six matches against bottom eight teams between now and the end of January. I think they can get out of it. I, I, if, if they maintain this solidity and they perform well over the next couple of months, they have got a chance, which is amazing considering how bad they've been. It's the hope that kills you. Uh, Michelle, you've gone for a League Two selection for our midweek hacker. What is it, please? Yeah, I've gone for Exeter to beat Harrogate Town. Um, Exeter are pretty excellent at home in the league on the whole, and they've been just banging goals in for f- for fun, really. I mean, yes, they conceded five against Cheltenham last week, but they scored three in that game. They've scored 38 goals in the league so far, won three of the last five, whereas Harrogate have only won one of the last five. So I fancy Exeter at home for that one. Abby, what's the price on that? What does it do to the Acker? Uh, well, Harrogate Town will, hope, will be hoping not for a comedy of errors. Exeter are four to six to win that one, and therefore we hope that our love's labours will not be lost as our echo comes in at twenty-two to one. I don't think your English literature teacher is listening, but you might have redeemed <laughs> yourself um, with those, those last few. Thank you. It's what I've spent the last hour doing. Just one last thing. Remember, you get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your fourfold acker lets you down and you can find out these odds at more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop. Perfect opportunity to give us the odds on Marlon Romeo to score. Oh. I, I did think about that as well. <laughs> Be a bit tempestuous. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Sam, favourite Shakespeare play? No idea. All the main ones, all the classics. Yeah, yeah. All, all the big ones. All the, the, big ones. the one about the fella and his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, pretty good. Yeah, I, I remember doing The Tempest, actually. Uh, Caliban, he was the character in that, wasn't it? So, yeah, I remember that from my school days. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, right, to finish, after Reading's Michael Elise celebrated his birthday by scoring the winner against QPR... We want some birthday football goodness to match that. Michelle, you recently celebrated yours. Did you get any any football-related gifts? I'm sorry, I didn't get one. Sort of ruins your question, doesn't it? Oh, no, actually, <laughs> no, I did. I did. I got a DVD that I'm going to re-gift. I'm going to say it, say it quietly. It's just a DVD on managers for Liverpool who I don't even support. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty poor birthday story. Sorry, but I need to find a Liverpool fan to give that to Christmas. So if you know anyone, um, I can pass that on. But yeah, Who I'm gave sure. you that? Um just some actually quite good friends. I'm like, but what it is, is no offence to you guys, but um, her husband went out to do the shopping and I think he was just in Sainsbury's and went in the bargain bin and got a DVD and saw it had football on, so went for it. But yeah, he's a Spurs fan, so he doesn't know a lot about football. That might be why. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Um, Clark, you ever played and scored on your birthday? 
No, I've trawled the list because you did give me a heads up on this. I've gone back through time. I, I don't think I played a first team match on my birthday, which is bizarre, really. Um, and, and a real shame. I do remember my 21st birthday, though. I think I played a reserve game for Arsenal and I got a few of the lads to come down to Brighton with me. My, my, my best mate, Nicky Rust, was the goalkeeper for Brighton at the time. And we had birthdays three days apart. And I just got hoodwinked into it. I ended up paying half for this lavish birthday party, this 21st birthday party at this bar in Brighton, where basically I only knew about five people because, because, because I'd sort of just done it a little bit on the hoof, invited a few of the Arsenal boys and, and, and a couple of my best friends. And that was it. And, uh, and I ended up paying half and I've got stick for it ever since. And my, my abiding memory is that the dance floor became like an ice rink, ice rink. Um, just full of yeah, it was just so slippy. Everyone was skating on ice, and it was yeah, it was carnage. But but yeah, I was uh, yeah, I got done on my birthday. There you go. Beat that, Sam. I can't recall ever playing on my birthday either. I did have outstanding birthday parties every year throughout <laughs> my career, and often crops up like when I see my mates being interviewed post career now, and they get asked about me. Normally, the Swindon lads, they're like, "Yeah, he's a good player, Sam, but unbelievable at putting together a birthday party." <laughs> <laughs> like so it's always nice. But um, considering I've just moved house, I did always used to have football-themed birthdays when I was a child. I found the nice little card that I'd sent my mum. I must have been. I'd say seven or eight. Uh, she'd organised a big group trip to Wembley to do the walk in the dressing rooms and all that. And I found a card, a thank you note that I'd written my card. So my manners have uh, have disappeared. But in those days, I was <laughs> very kind to my mum. And that's what I used to do. And remember another one, my dad taking a host of my, me and my pals to Villa Park to watch QPR for an away day special. Got the train up to New Street, had a pizza somewhere and then stood behind the goal and watch Les Ferdinand roof one with about two minutes to go one nil lovely <laughs> happy days do you still get football related birthday cards do you ever grow out of those I think some of my some of my aunties they still they still dive in on, 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 really, on those ones even like, though really you shouldn't send an adult a football birthday card should you but I, I still get it <laughs> I still get them from like friends of like my mum or my dad still send me a happy birthday with a football on it genius yeah, it will always be the way, I think, and, and it's quite sweet, so let's not mock it too much. Um, thank you so much for, for joining us again, Sam and Adrian. Michelle, really enjoyed having you on. Hopefully we will do again soon. Uh, Ali and George will be with you on Thursday for a review of the midweek games. But for now, from us all and producer Abby, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Football League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. Hello, I'm Ian McIntosh and despite literally spending months of my life playing football manager, I'm still terrible at it. That's why I'm launching the Football Manager Show, the latest podcast from The Athletic. Every week, I'll speak to the people who know the game best, the people who make the game. We'll take a proper look at things like training, recruitment and tactics. We'll try to answer your questions. We'll do everything we can to keep you eager to play just one more game and altogether less inclined to quit without saving. The era of Cherno and Tonton and dear sweet Michael Duff is over. The new football manager is bigger, better and more challenging than ever. And I need some help. If you do too, you can subscribe now. Just look for the Football Manager Show by The Athletic, wherever you get all your other podcasts. It starts in November, and knowing my track record, I'll be unemployed by December. Muddy Knees Media.